Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are you serious? Hello, there are plenty of ways to kill some time out there. Right now, you're killing some time with I, Marcus Bronzy. I've got a special guest on today's show. I'm going to let you know about them in just a moment, but... There's something I want to tell you about. It's the place to go to for all things How To Kill An Hour. It's our website, howtokillanhour.com. Simples. I mean, to make it any more simple to get to, open your browser, do a bit of Googling, just type the words How To Kill An Hour into Google and you will find our website. But you can check out stuff like our videos, our podcasts, obviously, and articles that we write about the things that we enjoy. Uh, especially something we're going to talk about in today's show called the Nintendo Labo. That's something that's um, it's made a very interesting article on our website, and we've heard some very interesting feedback about that. Uh, anyway, straight on to our guest today, I'd like to introduce a gentleman who's who's been mentioned on the show a couple of episodes ago when we were joined by Gadget's Boy. Uh, can you please introduce yourself, sir? Hello, I am Gadget's John. Yes. I am the other half of Gadget's Boy. Yes. Um, my name is actually John Devo, but okay. everyone I am Gadget's John. Formerly Canon John. Canon John. Yeah, but I changed it. Okay. Not for political reasons. I just thought I talk about a lot more than just cameras. Okay. Um, so Gadgets made a bit more sense. And then Tommy and I started working together. Yeah. So Gadgets John and Gadgets Boy just made more sense. Cool. I, I do want to know about how you guys met. But beforehand, yeah. can we just discuss how you became Canon John? How you went from just John Devo <laughs> to Canon John? How did that occur? It- a lot of people think I'm, I came up with it or that I work for Canon. Neither of those things are true. Um, I've been taking pictures since I was about 14, so just over 16 years now. And I think I was the only kid with a camera, and everyone assumed that if you had a big camera, it was a Canon. So mm. people used to call me Canon. But I was actually using a Sony camera at the time and a Pentax film camera at the time. Right. And people called me Canon as a, as a result of that. And I think because my name is John... Canon John just became a thing. And my best friend made a birthday card for me in like 2008 yeah. with he'd photoshopped my head onto a body of a robot that had arms made out of lenses. Okay. And so I was like, oh, that makes sense with the whole Canon John thing. And I just became Canon John from that. So a combination of just sheer photography ignorance yeah. and persistence. <laughs> exactly <laughs> that. Exactly that. And how did you get into photography then? Um, vanity, I think. I just liked, I used to be, like, still am to this day, a massive uh, comic book geek. Mm-hmm. I used to draw a lot of um, comic book characters. And my mum was actually really into photography and design and art manipulation when I was a kid. And she had the first ever Photoshop back in 94. Wow. Something like that. 94, 93, around that time. Yeah. We had Photoshop on a huge Mac, um, Macintosh computer. And I used to do Photoshopping with a mouse. 
wow. um, over over pictures that I found. Um, but then I was like, oh, there were elements that I wanted that I didn't have. So I'd start taking pictures of stuff to put into my graphic images. And then I started picking pictures, taking pictures of myself and then turning myself into like comic book characters or putting myself into weird scenes. And then I had friends that were signed. Um, it was kind of around, you know, that era, that time when like urban artists started to come up, like N-dubs were becoming a thing and people like Lamar were blowing up and Blue. I had a few friends that were connected to that world, signed to EMI, signed to Virgin, signed to Sony. And they were asking me if I could take pictures of them. And I was like, I don't even have a proper camera. So if you pay me, um, I was like 14 years old, 15 years old at the time. I was like, if you pay me, then I can shoot for you and then I can take pictures. And I did that. And from then people kept paying me to take pictures. So I carried on. And that is now now what you do for a living, really? I never wanted to be a photographer. Really? That was not my plan at all. I liked pictures, obviously. Everyone likes a good picture, but that was not my plan. So what was the first Photoshop like? The first ever Photoshop experience? It wasn't too dissimilar to what we have now. Right. But it was mostly just brush and clone. It was nothing else. Dodge, brush and clone. And now, I mean, the most professional retouchers I know, they're the the tools they use most more than anything else. Dodge, brush and clone. Um, And I think... For the most part, it hasn't really moved from that. But now you've got all sorts of more, you know, 3D tools, animation tools that you have in Photoshop now. So it's a much more, you know, complete program for design. But I think initially it was just about Photoshopping, you know, okay. actually manipulating images. And I think that was the thing that attracted me to creating, photo- doing photography and creating images was you could make something from nothing. It's crazy. And it's also crazy how the devices that you were using then like you you said a big Macintosh it was this, it was half the size of that desk wow okay and it's a regular size <laughs> table so for a computer to be that big that's crazy and now you've huge. got people with phones that can you know well you've got things like Snapseed on phones which yeah. does almost everything that my Mac could do when I first started wow. on my phone which is insane crazy yeah. crazy so you became Canon John yeah Right, and uh, you didn't want to really be to become a photographer, but it, it, it happened. And yeah. then so, but now you do like quite a range of photography. Though, I don't didn't. You? I didn't choose the photography life. The photography mm. life chose me. <laughs> <laughs> True, it just happened. True. Um, but I, I absolutely love creating images. I love working with people. I'm also a trained journalist, so I've found ways to combine, you know, taking pictures, writing about people, um, and I really love that. The working with people side of it is a lot of fun. What kind of journalism do you like? I've seen a lot of your photography. I've I've not read a lot of your journalism um, outside of the tech world. I was trained like a traditional news journalist. Okay. Um, I did. I studied at City University right. uh, in London, and in my opinion, the best place in Europe to study uh, to study journalism. Yeah. And I I absolutely love the news side of it. I yeah, I did my my work experiences at the Times. I did some work with them um, in the World Cup in South Africa. I worked for BBC World in radio. Yeah. Uh, helping out as a runner. So like um, news journalism is what kind of drew me into journalism yeah. and telling stories. But um, I, it's also very depressing. Yeah. And a lot of it is made yeah. up, which you might know about, but a lot of it is made up. And I just didn't like the bias and the angles. And so I thought, what can I write about that I can still talk to people, and I can still inspire people and engage people um, that is fun and not so biased and a bit more engaging. I thought technology was became my avenue for that so now i write about kit and that's kind of how me and tommy ended up working together yeah so how, how did that happen we met at a press trip um you know a press event we kept going to the same kind of press events about men's grooming and uh fashion and gadgets 
And we'd always say, oh, you know, maybe we should work together on something. And it just never came about. And then while Tommy was at Unilad, um, you know, he was, we were finding different ways where he, he got invited to something and he couldn't do it. He'd send me to do the words or he'd send me to do pictures or we'd work together on stuff while he was there. And then after he moved on from Unilad, we were kind of saying, you know, what would we do just to get this off the ground? And I said, well, you've got J- Gadgets Boy there. You know, let's just pick that back up and run with it. Um, so me and him now are co-editors on Gadgets Boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And what is Gadget Boy? Gadgets Boy? Um, it's a site where, you know, people who are passionate about technology uh, talk about what's new, what's good. Mm. Um, we don't really cover stuff that's... Like, I don't believe that people make bad products. So I would rather focus on stuff that people are going to enjoy than just crapping on stuff that's not going to do the job. Mm. So I think we talk about stuff we're into, like phones, like drones, cameras, um, sometimes software, sometimes TVs, anything that's moving technology forward, anything that people are going to, you know, they might be curious about it. We have the good fortune to be able to go and try this stuff out firsthand. So we're almost, you know, we're the go-between between people just reading the reviews and you know, looking in a, looking at it in a shop or in an advert, we can actually go and try it out. We can live with it without having to invest our own money. So we're not we're not biased in any way because we don't have to pay for this stuff. You mm. know, just like the thing with the you know the phones that I've got, mm. I've got twelve phones. You know, possibly all of the best phones available. Me and Tommy have them between us. So the phones that I use are the best phones for me and someone like me. So I can talk about that in a completely unbiased way because it didn't cost me anything. You have twelve phones, bruv. Maybe more. Maybe more. <laughs> well, what do you do when they're like when you get a new one? You just give it to your mum. I don't no have way. a big family, but, so like, I just... but rolling with tw- like do you like so no, when you, when you when you're mobile? So on your yeah. way here today, on your massive on your massive journey, your adventure yeah. over here. Five minutes. Yeah, five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> how? Yeah, you live five minutes away. Just might as well share that with you, listener. Um, how many phones do you roll with day to day? Two. Two As phones. a standard, yeah. And what are these phones? Um, currently rolling with the Razer phone. Razer, okay. Yeah, which I absolutely love. What, why is that? Um, the thing is, I think Razer made a mistake when they marketed it because they marketed it as, you know, the gaming phone for gamers. Right, 120 right, right. hertz uh, refresh rate. It's an amazing screen. Uh, beautiful dual-front-facing fa- dual Dolby sound speakers, stereo mm-hmm. speakers. Um, but they market it as a gaming phone. And it's not really a gaming phone in that sense because it doesn't have a headphone jack, for example. You know, a gamer would expect to be able to plug headphones into yeah. a standard phone. Yeah. It doesn't have that. It doesn't have joysticks. It doesn't have a tactile controller. It's just a phone aimed at people who are into gaming rather than a gaming phone, if right. that makes sense. Okay, okay. Um, so I use it as my media phone. I use it to watch all my YouTube videos. I use it to watch my Netflix, um, uh, watch any, of, any, any content that I want. That's what I use that phone for uh, primarily and Instagram and social stuff. Because it the screen's looks the best great, yeah. and it sounds the best. It's like having a TV in my hand, which really? I absolutely love. Yeah, I don't even have a TV in my room just because I've got that. So how would you explain to me the difference between a similar size screen yeah. on, say, I'm just going to go for iPhone, right? Because okay. I know that's not the third, fo- yeah, the yeah. second phone you got. So if, so when I'm looking at an iPhone, I'm watching, say, a movie on Netflix yeah. or I'm watching a film on Netflix, and then I open the Razer, what, what's going to be the standout difference for me? Well, the, comp- well, the reason why the, I- the iPhone... Would for me wouldn't compare because of the refresh rate of the screen. Right. So when there's fast action on screen, it's not going to move. You're going to see some slight blurring of the lines right. between movement. So having a 120 hertz refresh rate is the same as what Apple have on the iPad Pro, which okay. is if you've seen that before, the screen on that is outrageously good, and it's a similar thing because the refresh rate is so quick. All action, there's no blur in the lines. There's no there's no stuttering of the motion. It's all really smooth, 
Um, and you know, a lot of games are run at sixty hertz. You know, high fast mm-hmm. pace, high fast pace games like uh, COD, or um, yeah. you know, what's that other one? The Battle uh, Battlefield. Battlefield. Or, yeah, they all DVD, run at really yeah. hard. They all run at really high refresh rates, and that's because you want to catch every part of that action. Okay. And with the Razer phone, you get that. So if I'm watching like Taken or something like that, I see yeah. every punch. Fast and, and furious. Fast and furious. That, yeah. Okay. All right, that makes sense. And to so me. I love content on that phone for that reason. Okay. Um, but my second phone, which I use as an actual phone, is the Huawei Mate 10 Pro, okay. which I absolutely love because it's got a great camera. Uh, it's powerful. It's fast. It's a nice, slim-looking phone. Uh, the screen's also really nice on it. It's not the best, but it is still a, re- a really nice screen. I just think the battery's good. As an actual daily phone, it, it does the job, and I never have to run for a charging point in the middle of the day. I can leave it on from morning until the next morning, and you know I don't have to charge it until I'm jumping in the shower the next day. That's which, awesome. which for this day and age, that's not that common in phones. So um, that means a regular person has, has their own phone might get a full day out of it. Because let's be honest, you have got the media yeah. consumption. I, I overuse phone. all of my phones. So really? I mean, if I can get a day and a half out of that, most people probably get, I reckon most people could get two days out of that. You said the Huawei had a good camera as well. Is yeah. that the one that you use for some Insta pics as well? Most of my Instagram pictures, thank you. Are lit. <laughs> They're lit. Most of my Instagram pictures that aren't with an actual camera are taken on that. Um, and yeah it is impressive because there's there's shots I've taken with that and a camera and posted both and people can't tell the difference 100%. a lot of Tommy's shots that we did with that and the Pixel people couldn't tell they were smartphones they thought they were actual cameras or DSLRs crazy so yeah I mean phone cameras are outrageous these days how does that make you feel as someone who's used to sort of classic photography with a big DSLR how does it feel knowing that you can get that amount of power and, and automation in your pocket. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, I think some people, maybe for, it's probably becoming less the case, but I think when phones started to get hailed for their cameras, I think a lot of photographers older than me and my age uh, would have looked down at it and thought, oh, that's rubbish. Why would you want to use a smartphone? But I mean, national competitions in photography now have smartphone categories, and that's a standard thing. And I think at the end of the day, it's the image that speaks for itself. Yeah. No one's going to look at a great image and say, oh, well, what was that taken on a smartphone? It's rubbish. They're not going to say that if the image is compelling. Mm. And I think the fact that we have devices that are capable of capturing images that you know, now can dictate news stories, you know, they can move you in different ways. It's about capturing the image at the end of the day. It's a tool. And if it's one of the tools I have that can take a picture, then that's what I care about. It's just, for me, having my phone is like having another lens. You know, it's a, it's a different look to one of my cameras, but right. it's it's a lens that I've got and I can take pictures with it, which is amazing. And you definitely know about lenses, don't you? You I know you, a little bit. You know about nah, you know about <laughs> lenses, man. Now, I've like because I've I've even had to hit you up about a, le- a thank you. You recommended a very you recommended a widescreen lens yeah. to me. A widescreen is wide that right? Angle. A wide wide angle lens. I said a widescreen lens. Ten to eighteen. Yeah, it was the ten to eighteen yeah. from Canon. And I think I was talking to you. I said, look, I just I was uh, I said something like I just need something that's a bit wider. Yeah. I got a Canon camera. And Canon John was just like straight away was like yeah get this lens it's a reasonable price yeah. the quality is good <laughs> and and I and I like obviously I did a little bit of YouTubing yeah, yeah. and but I trusted what you said and and I was like flipping out oh, that lens is great I, does I that happen I, a lot to you yeah I mean most of my time on on Instagram part of the reason why I have an Instagram account and I, I'm trying to build a following on it yeah. is because I like people asking me questions about photography about cameras about video um, it's nice being a resource and being helpful because I know that you know I. 
I also get a lot of people asking me to give them cameras, which is bonkers. I can't do that. <laughs> I'm not rich. I saved up uh, doing, you know, part-time jobs, working retail to buy my first camera. Mm. And then everything I made from shooting, I invested back into my camera equipment. So I've been, like I said, I've been shooting for 16 years. I've spent a lot of money on developing my kit. So mm. that's why I have so much. It wasn't, none of it was given to me. Um, so I know the investment it takes and how much it, you know, how much it weighs on someone pulling the trigger on, on a 500 pound camera, on a thousand pound camera, on a, in my case, my camera was 9,000 pounds. Pulling your trigger on something like that is a big deal. Yeah. And I'm lucky enough that I can talk to Fuji, I can talk to Sony, I can talk to Panasonic, Canon, Nikon, Hasselblad. I can say to them, guys, can, you know, can I get hold of this lens? Can I write about it for one of the magazines I work for or for our website? Having that privileged position means I should use that in some yeah. way to help other people. Yeah. Um, so now that I get to use it all, I like talking about it. So most of my DMs are, you know, John, uh, my daughter really wants to get into photography. What what first camera would you recommend for her? I had a guy yesterday in um, in Indonesia. Um, he's got a Hasselblad. He's got the same Hasselblad as me. And he was saying he's having focusing issues with the lens. And he described it for me. And I said, what lens is it? Asked him if he was on the latest firmware. Talked him through all of the kind of troubleshooting options. And it turns out that lens is just faulty. Um, right. But he was like, thanks for taking the time because he couldn't get hold of the company being in Indonesia because it's a Swedish-based company. So the time difference and everything meant he just couldn't call them up. But he could talk to me on Instagram and solve his problem. Um, and being able to do that is incredible. You know, I'm in London and I'm helping out a guy in Indonesia about a Swedish camera. That blows my mind and I love it. That's awesome. You, you mentioned uh, cameras for beginners. What would you recommend for someone who wants to begin in photography? I mean, if, you, if, you're, if your entry point is already, you know, you've been taking pictures on your smartphone and you want to step up to something better, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say go out and buy a DSLR. That might not be for you because okay. DSLRs take a lot of investment in terms of lenses and kit and tripods and all of that. I'd say the next step up from a smartphone would be, you know, something like a Canon G7X Mark II, you know, there's pocket travel cameras. Uh, Sony make a really good series of RX100s. Um, they've got, they're up to the RX100 Mark V now, but that's like a thousand pounds. But the RX100 Mark III, which came out three or four years ago, is still a fantastic camera. That's my pocket camera. Okay. Um, when I don't want to use a smartphone or if I need some zoom, you know, it's got a 24 to 70 lens on it. So it's got a nice working range. It's really good in low light. Um, the screen even flip, flip, flips up to face forward so you can do vlogging videos. So I think that would be my next recommended step for someone who wants to move up from a smartphone before investing in you know lenses and big camera bodies. I think try one of the pocket travel uh, compact uh, digital cameras before you go to that next level. So compact cameras now, you think if you get the right one, they carry enough range for you to yeah, kind of people, obviously not do everything that you need to do, but they do a lot. People are really down on compact cameras because smartphones are so good, but smartphones still don't have that zoom capability. So mm. I think if you want, and they're still not as good in low light as a compact camera because they don't quite have the sensor size. You know, the RX100 has a one inch sensor, so it's bigger um, than a smartphone. And I think it's that sensor size is something that a lot of people don't know about. And I think that's where you get the advantage with a compact camera, like the G7X Mark II, like the Sony X100s. Uh, Panasonic do some really good Lumix cameras in that range as well. And I think those cameras, you get much better performance in low light than you would with a smartphone because it has a larger sensor. So if you could pick one camera that you'd recommend for that beginner, what would it be? What, under like 500 pounds? Yeah, let's say, yeah, let's be, let's be, let's be reasonable, yeah. I would say the Sony RX100 okay. Mark III. Interesting. Because I use it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't enough. use it if it wasn't the best in that category. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, cool. And you get approached a lot about other sort of lens issues you've mentioned that in the past you've been speaking about something on your instagram that helps 
cal- is it calibrate lenses? Am I right? Yeah. So <laughs> what, what, what? I don't know what calibrating lenses is. I didn't know they needed calibration. I thought they came out of the box and they were fine. I go on these weird um, campaigns with my helping people with photography thing. So every now and then an issue will come up that seems to affect a lot of people. So I'll look into it and try and find a way to solve it. And the lens calibration thing came about because a friend of mine, uh, Sophie Jones, she's a commercial photographer. She shoots with, you know, brands like Hasselblad. Um, that's me. She <laughs> shoots with commercial brands like Adidas, uh, Puma, like sports fashion. That's kind of her thing. And she's on music videos as well. She's really talented. Um, but she's got the, the Canon 5D Mark III and the Canon 50mm 1.2L lens. And that is an incredible combination. It should deliver really sharp pictures. But she said she'd, she she contacted me on uh, WhatsApp and she said she'd done a shoot the day before, she'd done an event and everything had come out slightly out of focus. And she's like, I don't know why this has happened because when I've when I focused, you know, the camera's flashed and it's made a beep. Everything should be in focus, but nothing's working. I don't know what's going on. I've got a really important shoot tonight. I don't like, how am I going to solve this, John? I need I need a solution. And so I looked into it looked at all the different kind of common issues of focusing. I thought maybe it might be a low light issue um, or the AF limiter wasn't working and it wasn't any of that. It was actually, um, well, I didn't know at the time, but I suggested she try lens calibration. And I found this software online called Riken, Riken Focal and they do this software that's about 60, 70 quid. Uh, they've got a cheaper version, it's about 20, 30 quid. And you get, you set it up, you download it. It gives you a, like you can download a target. You set it up with your laptop point your camera at the target, connect your camera to the laptop by a USB, and it runs a calibration for you. So you literally just plug and play. It'll tell you if the target's set up right. And then um, once you hit calibrate, it runs for about 15, 20 minutes maximum. Then it will tell you how to, what adjustment to make on your lens, and it can do it for you on some cameras. And she did this. She's not that techie at all. Um, she's like, at first she's like, it doesn't work. I said, read the instructions. She followed it step by step, did it. And within half an hour, she's like, John, you've literally saved me. The lens is working perfectly. And everything was solved with the calibration. Cool. Which is mad. What What makes a lens act like that? I, I need calibrating. I, I really had no idea. I thought they were the same for life. No. So this is a problem that you get only with DSLR cameras, Canon, Nikon DSLR cameras uh, specifically. Um, I'm sure it happens with other DSLRs, but they're the ones that this software works with. Um but the way that cameras focus is you have two sensors. You have uh, the camera sensor, the imaging sensor that records the image. And then you have an autofocus sensor. And both of those are in different places. So the autofocus sensor is in the base of the camera body. The imaging sensor is directly through the lens. So the camera gets light through the lens, hits the imaging sensor. That's how it knows what the image is. And that's how it knows how to meter the image, expose it correctly. But the autofocus, the light bounces from a mirror to the autofocus sensor which tells the camera if it's in focus or not. And there can be slight differences, like micro differences, between what the sensor on the autofocus sensor is in focus and what the imaging sensor is recording. Right. So if there's any kind of difference between the two, they just don't communicate that right. So the autofocus sensor is like, hey, I'm fine. And the imaging sensor is like, yeah, the image looks good, but it doesn't know if it's in focus or not. Right. So the calibration software can can detect those micro differences and make those micro adjustments for you. And a lot of people don't know that that can happen. And it can happen with a lens when you change bodies. It can happen through daily use. It can happen through just knocking the camera a little bit. Anything, you know, small things can make differences in the adjustments. And it could just be out just straight out of the box from the factory. Sometimes they need a bit of calibration. And um, there was some, I read on the website, I can't, probably don't quote me on this, but you can look it out on your own time. 
on the Rack and Focal website. But there was some kind of stat that said six out of seven lenses can perform better after calibration. I mean, that's, that's almost every, every single one could do with it. And if you think about it, the software costs 60, 70 quid. It works for life as long as you use the same camera. Um, and you can always make sure your lenses are working on point. Rather than she would have done that shoot, blamed the camera that cost £2,000 or the lens that cost £2,000 when she could have solved the problem for 60 quid. Nuts. And I mean, I, re- I realised after that with her that there must be so many photographers who are blaming their kit getting out of focus shots when they're good photographers. They're not, I mean, sometimes it is normally user error. Um, but when it's not, that can be frustrating because you know you're doing a good job and you're being let down by not calibrating the lens. So I figured I might as well start banging on about it. And now I've got like a link on my Instagram to the software. <laughs> yeah, standard. Standard. Yeah, man. Uh, I take it all of your lenses are calibrated then? Uh, actually, I most of my cameras are mirrorless. So mirrorless cameras don't have the same issue because the mirrorless cameras have their imaging and AF sensor on the same plane. So when I focus on a mirrorless camera, it's auto-focusing and metering the image through the same sensor. Okay, yeah. so mirrorless cameras don't have the mirror device in them. Yeah, the exactly. DSLRs so they don't send the image. They don't send the light elsewhere. Why'd you go for that kind of camera? Um, to be honest, I don't. Some people choose mirrorless cameras because they're smaller, typically, mm. yeah. um, or they're slightly more advanced in their features. I just love my cameras, and if they were DSLRs and they had the same features and functionality, I'd love them. Yeah. I don't really care what if mirrorless or DSLR or Canon or Nikon or Sony or Hasselblad. I just like kit that does the job. And it just so happens that Sony and Hasselblad currently make my favorite uh, stills cameras. Sony mm-hmm. currently make my favorite video cameras and so do Canon. Um, and so I just, I'm not really brand loyal. I think it's all about the model. If the model does the job, then it shouldn't really matter what who made it. I think that's the best way to be with technology nowadays because the ebb and flow in terms of progression means that one year someone's got it another year someone else has yeah got i mean it, they're so, not yeah. football teams yeah so why are you backing it like like you owe yeah. them something it's weird and we all know what it's like supporting <laughs> a football team like arsenal uh, I, yeah, I don't <laughs> but i mean i've had a similar heartbreaking situation recently with, with sports teams really yeah i'm a vikings fan oh okay and we got decimated by the eagles in the the playoff game the championship playoff game okay and yeah, it was heartbreaking because everyone thought, you know, this would have been the first year ever that a team was going to host the Super Bowl and be in it. And we fell at the last hurdle. Oh. And so we didn't, instead of making history, we got, we got embarrassed in oh. Philadelphia. It was, it was really hard to watch. How long have you been into NFL for? Uh, since I was about 13. Okay. Maybe, maybe a little bit younger. I remember the 49ers coming over here when I was super little. And so the 49ers were the first team I really liked and they had the red and gold uniforms and these big guys in the suits of armor. I just thought it was cool as hell. And um, it, for me, it made a bit more sense than rugby because they can pass the ball forwards. Mm. Um, so I like it. And also the guys don't roll around at the slightest hint of a tackle. You know, they take a beating and they stand up and they keep working for their team. Whereas I think football, English football, it's embarrassing to watch. And I used to be a United fan, but I just... I don't know. I just lost. I lost love for it because of all the fake, the fake uh, tackles and asking for yellow cards. Just, they're just too soft. It's quite scary when you think about the amount of pressure that NFL players put them on, themselves under. Not just like the pressure is in. I've got to win a game, but the physical yeah, pressure their they put themselves are on under. the line every single day. Yeah. And it's insane. Like I when I, when the, the Vikings have been over here to play twice. Yeah. And um, the first time they came over, a couple of their players gave me their gloves. 
um because i was covering it and i okay. managed to go into the change room afterwards to do interviews and i was like look i wouldn't normally do this but i'm actually a fan of this team could i get your gloves and then a couple of them heard me and they gave me their gloves and i looked at them afterwards and they had stud holes through the hands and blood marks stained into the stud hole so like guys are stroke men men that weigh two two three hundred five hundred pounds have potentially been standing on their hands throughout the game and not one person came off injured. What it, so when I look at football now and they get a slide tackle and they're rolling around five times, for me, I just can't, I can't enjoy seeing that when I know what NFL players put themselves through and keep playing. So you don't like the theatrics no, of football at all? It's embarrassing. <laughs> and it's got worse. The more, the more kind of South, South American influence and Spanish influence we've had on the English game, the worse it's got. Because when I was a kid, when I was a United fan, you know, we had players like Vinnie Jones, you know, Robbie Fowler, people who were tough and would put in a tackle and take a tackle. And I admired that. But now that they're, they're all effectively models that can kick ball, I don't find that entertaining at all. <laughs> <laughs> don't rate that at all. Oh, anyway, back, back, to, back, to, back to the tech <laughs> before we go too far, John. Um, with regards to, to photography, I... I I can't have you here and not ask you for okay. some tips yeah. for photography. So I use an iPhone yeah. and I have a DSLR. So I'd like with my phone, with my iPhone uh, and got Pixel XL as well. Uh, what would you suggest would be a nice generic bit of advice for someone using a, a phone to take pictures? Um, with phones, I think, well, my general advice I'll give afterwards, but with phones specifically, I think the thing that most people don't pay attention to is wiping their lens. It's, I had that was one of my campaigns last year was getting people to wipe their lenses because they take pictures and you get like weird flare from the light yeah because you just got finger grease on it and they'd be like oh why is the picture not coming out clear and I'd be like let me see your phone and it's all smudged and I'd wipe it and they're like oh my god <laughs> it's perfect I'm like just wipe the lens so hashtag wipe your lens yeah okay <laughs> um secondly I'd say steady hands it's quite easy to get blurred shots um but I think people forget because it's a phone you're just taking a snap. I don't think they think so much about, you know, putting two hands on it, especially in low light and just making sure your hands are steady. Um, I'd say that as well is a big thing. Okay, cool. And what about with my DSLR when I got, or, or even if I've got like a, a nice point and click? So I think my gen, that would have to be general photography advice because if you've got a good camera, the challenge really is finding interesting stuff to take pictures of. But most people just take pictures of interesting things. They don't take interesting pictures of them. So, you know, they'll walk past a piece of art or, you know, a piece of graffiti and just turn, take a picture of it. And that's boring. Like I, one of the sayings I used to, I read a long time ago when I was a kid, but I've lived by it in my photography life, is, um, you know, a good picture is something that shows us the world that we know. And a great picture is something that shows us the world that we know in a way that we've never seen before. And I think that's what I always try and aspire to and I try and get people to do is if you see something that looked cool, try and find an interesting way to show it to me. Mm. Um, you know, even if it's a person, move them into the light. You know, try and show them in an interesting way. And I think a lot of people just don't do that. They see something cool and they go, "Oop, cool thing, take a picture," and they think that's a good picture. But it's actually just a good picture of something that was already cool anyway. You've done nothing with it. Right. Um. So yeah, that would be it. So make things that are interesting, inter even more interesting by taking an interesting photo. Don't yeah. A lot of the use of the word. Try and find. Try and find another way uh, to show me the world that I know. Yeah, you That's, managed to do that on your Insta though, and and also on the Gadgets Boy Insta, like the way that you take photographs of London, yeah, make it look like somewhere I want to go on holiday. <laughs> I'm like, where is it? Where is this place? I want to go there. I'm like, oh, it's Clapham. 
But I think people forget to explore the cities they're from, man. When you go to a foreign city, you walk around, you, yeah. you're, you're a tourist. And I think one of the, one of the I guess it's a, a blessing and a curse, being from a great city like London, we don't get to see it like tourists do. Um, and unless you're like Tommy and I, we, me and Tommy will just go out for walks and we'll walk around and we'll find, you know, places that we didn't even know were in the area and find interesting places to shoot interesting angles, you know, buildings that we could get up to and, and go to bars that have rooftops and look at the different places you can see from them. I think definitely encouraging people to explore their cities a bit more. Um, and I've done the same thing when I've gone to like Brazil, when I've gone to, to Spain, Barcelona, uh, to Paris. I take pictures there. Um, and in Berlin, same thing. And people from there are like, whoa, where is this? I think people just forget to explore their cities. And also they're not, they're not looking for interesting ways to show the world that they know. They're just mm. taking pictures of the world that they know as is. Right. Okay. Yeah. What's, what's your take on food photographs then? Uh, I, <laughs> <laughs> I typically, I won't post food photos unless it's on stories. Right. I don't think anyone wants to see that anymore. Is like, that we all know. Now? Well, it's, I just don't think it's interesting unless that's your thing. And if you make food or, you know, you're a food reviewer or something, then that would make sense. But I think Instagram accounts that people enjoy watching are consistent. So if you're, you know, if your whole thing is I'm a traveler or I'm a, I'm into tech and then you're posting pictures of food, it just doesn't fit your timeline at all. So I just would avoid it completely. Yeah. Or if you want to show people, you know, you're out eating somewhere nice, put on stories. <laughs> Or have a story just for your food, now that you can save them. Exactly, yeah. Story just for your food. That'd be good, like a featured story. Yeah. I take it you're a big fan of the Insta story then. I I, I love that. Nick Bright, uh, another presenter on the show, he really did, he, he did say a long time ago that he thought Insta stories would, would take over Snapchat stories. And I feel like now, Insta stories is where it's at. I would say so. Stories-wise. Um, just because it's it's so accessible. Everyone Everyone has Instagram now. I think most people have Facebook. And now that Instagram stories is integrated into Facebook, I think that was the death of, of Snapchat. When mm. they did that, I was like, I don't see why you would want to use Snapchat now. Because one of the things that I had, I don't use Snapchat much at all now, but I used it a little bit when it first came out. And my issue was I don't want to have to post, like create my stories for Instagram and then have to go into another app and create another set of stories for that audience as well. I'd rather just consolidate my audience into one area where most people are, which is Instagram and Facebook and just use stories. So I think I don't I don't get why people still use Snapchat. Honestly don't. And that is why Facebook did it. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's why exact, they did it. That was that's exactly they they did it. It's smart. Yeah. I think it's the same reason why they got WhatsApp because people didn't want to use Messenger. So now so they're clever. like, well, now we got WhatsApp. So so clever. Yeah. So and clever. evil. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Facebook run the world, man. Oh, it's so bad. I downloaded Depop um right. yesterday because I wanna I've got loads of sneakers that I want to get rid of. And um I thought, oh, you know, what should I do? And one of my friends, Craig, was like, oh, why don't you try it at Depop? He actually made this T-shirt. Love often is what the T-shirt says. Yeah, it's on his Instagram. I think it's c.arthur. If you Google that, you'll find him. Okay. But um, yeah. Good, good, he, good words to live your life by. He's, he's, he's a beautiful guy as well. He's, he lives the love and Aww. beautiful story. Um, yeah, but I, he told me to check out Depop. I was like, yeah, okay, cool. I'll get on it. And it said, link to Facebook. I was like, oh, God, they're everywhere. <laughs> 
<laughs> even like marketplace now is effectively everywhere else is selling through marketplace 100%, now. Like 100%. You can't get away from it. Nah. You, you mentioned getting rid of trainers. I know you're quite fashion orientated as well. Love like it. Tommy tried to say when I said it, because to- I thought Tommy's quite swaggy. He was like, no, you need to talk, talk to and look at John. <laughs> and, you know, it, when you when you do, the listener looks at, at, at John's Insta, you're going to see on Gadget John's Insta that he's a fan of hats. Yeah. yeah, I love uh, my hats. And fashion as well. So what, is that just, does that all come along at once? I or I wouldn't say I'm into fashion. You're I, quite swaggy. I've never, I've never seen you looking anything like any. I've never seen you dressed in a way that's not made me go. Oh yeah, I see what you're doing there. That's very kind of you to say. But um, I wouldn't say I'm into fashion. Like I like things that look good on me, and um, I come quite critical of myself. I used to wear ridiculous things when I was a kid. But like I was what? the kind like, of. Go on, give you I an would example. just try stuff. Probably the worst thing I can think of. I had um, I had pleather pants. Pleather pants. Yeah, like well trousers. Oh, play the trousers, yeah, yeah. From Topshop. Wow. And they weren't for me. But wow. I tried. I definitely tried. I was willing to give it a go. Did you wear them with confidence as oh, well? Yeah. Was the chest held oh, high? Oh, yeah. Wow. We, and I, I swear to God, I had it. I was wearing it with like a brown suede, like Italian leather jacket. And I was like, this is not a good combo. Looking <laughs> back, I don't know what I was thinking. But at the time, I was willing to try stuff. So I feel like in 10 years' time, I'm going to look back on this and be like, John, what were you doing? But... You know, at the moment it works. So I I'm think just... the hats, the hats flex is working. I like See, it. Thing, I've always loved hats. Yeah, and yeah, like if you can, that would be something you could pin to me. I love hats with a passion. Um, these hats, that this one that I'm wearing is from a store called Gorin Bros in the US. And every time I go to Vegas, I buy a hat from the same store, from the same staff. Like they know my name now, and um, like I, I just love their hats. I think they're made really beautifully. Do you go in there hatless and come out with a hat, or do yeah, you walk I've in, not, walk in to with Vegas. a hat? I fly okay. to Vegas without a hat. Because I'm buying one. The first day I get there, that's what I do. Oh, you did that? I did see, I saw it on your story when you went to CES, which is obviously a big, yeah. big tech event, a big conference. Yeah. Uh, and you went over there, Gadgets Boy. I want to say massive shout out to your jacket that matched the carpet. <laughs> that was an that amazing That wasn't intentional feat. at all. That was an amazing feat. And I, I wanted to hear more about this jacket because Tommy mentioned it briefly as well in the episode before yeah. last. It's like a jacket that stays on when you take it off. Yeah, kind of so thing. it's from Maharishi. Yeah. And so all of their jackets, I think all of them, they have like a lining in them that's like the straps of a backpack. So then when you take the jacket off, you can keep the straps on or you can take them off. But if you keep the straps on, then your back, your jacket just hangs off your back like a backpack. So, you know, for me, like, I'm really forgetful. So if I go somewhere and I'm a bit, if I'm going shopping or something, I'm a bit warm and I want to take my jacket off. I don't have to worry about carrying it. I can just literally back it off, keep the straps on and it's there. Nice. Yeah, I love it to bits. It's so smart. It's like a small little, it's a bit of like fashion tech in a way. Um, it's a small solution that actually solves problems for me. Why aren't more jackets made like this? I feel like I kids. Know. I feel like a kid's jacket should be they like sh- that when you're going to school. You know, like, like how your mum would maybe give you gloves that have a bit of string that go up yeah. behind your, your yeah. jacket and stuff like that. I thought, why, why, why don't they have jackets like that for kids? Or just why has no one made a back a jacket backpack? A jackpack. A jackpack. Huh. Why has no one made that? That would be amazing. Like a jacket that has a backpack in it. A jackpack. <laughs> I need to go and uh, yeah, I need to <laughs> copy that, that URL. Yeah, that's a Kickstarter and a half, isn't it? That's that's a that's Seriously, a million that could a, probably work. A jackpack, I like yeah, that man. Waterproof, like cityproof, <sighs> with a battery pack built into it. Yeah, oh, so Dude, you can charge your phone. All oh, of that. Oh man, I'd love that. We've just come up with a dragon's den idea. Let's go. Oh, my, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's make it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um, so what have we got coming up with Gadgets Boy and Gadgets John what can um, we look forward to next up for us we're going to um, MWC in Barcelona I think Tommy might have mentioned it on his uh, mm-hmm. his show and yeah so that's you know the world of phones is going nice. to be next for us nice you're going to have to induct me because I will be there bro oh, yeah, yeah, I'll you're be coming. there bro yes, yes yeah, so you'll be there you need to induct me man yes MWC is incredible because one is in Barcelona and that's one of the best cities on earth but also it's a fun place to learn about, you know, where mobile tech is heading. You'll get a lot of brands there that aren't, you know, some of them are just European brands that we never get over here. Um, and then obviously the big players like Samsung, like your Sony's, Huawei. Um, who else is going to be doing stuff? Uh, Razer maybe? Razer might have some stuff. And so a lot of a lot of big companies are going to be there showing off their newest phones. And so that's going to be, yeah. I mean, phones now are the, biggest gadgets that anyone can have everyone talks about them everyone has a phone mm. so i think yeah mwc isn't as big as ces but in the mobile world it's the biggest show okay yeah i look i look forward to to finding out more about it man i'm, I'm, I'm it's not, a lot of fun yeah yeah a I, lot f- fun. I have a feeling that hanging around with you guys at these conferences you kind of know where to be when yeah what to, we've been to doing it for to. a while now though yeah i know that's why i'm, I'm gonna be that coattail <laughs> rider i'm gonna be that tag along you're welcome gadgets bronze welcome. there you go <laughs> it's in, got a ring the, to it oh, listen it sounds all right <laughs> um so yeah before we get out of here we always like to talk about something that's going on in the world of technology now something that we failed to mention in last week's show but kind of caused a little stir on the net was nintendo switch uh they've come up with a new product like it's it's fair to say the Nintendo Switch is an unconventional product. The fact that it hasn't got the best resolution, the fact that it has control pads that are a lot smaller and different to other ones, it kind of already caused a stir. I mean, when they just mentioned it and there were rumours about it, it caused a stir. When it came out, it, it was very interesting. It's done very well. They've sold loads of consoles. They've had amazing titles like Zelda and Mario, blockbuster console games. And now they've come up with this thing called... I'm going to check with Billy from Center. Is it Labo? 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 I said Labo. Labo. Uh, And it's basically cardboard cutouts that you fold up and build and you put bits of your Nintendo Switch in like a control pad into one part and you can actually, for example, use a control pad to do some fishing 
or there's more intricate ones where you have a, a rucksack that you put uh you put together with like rubber bands and stuff and like you put on boxing gloves made out of uh, cardboard you build these things like origami out of card and you can actually play a game with these physical things nintendo made those yeah that's by nintendo yeah so it's it's coming out in, in in april i believe and it's caused a stir i mean there's for example there's other there's they've done something else where you can connect up a specific type of origami to a to uh you connect it to a control pad and you use another control pad and the, the way it vibrates because it's got the hd vibration in yeah. the nintendo switch means you can move things around and stuff it's very interesting now there was one part of the of the tech world that was like this is cool this is great and there's another part of the tech world that was like this is stupid man i don't i want a game i don't want to mess around with cardboard what are your thoughts on it from yeah, me just describing people, to you? i think people have to remember that first and foremost nintendo is a japanese company that's where that's coming from you know they are very ingenious people they like to be creative they like to create things physical things um so just from the sound of it that sounds ripe for the market that they're developed in and it might not translate so much in in the Western world or in the UK or in the US, but I think for the Japanese market primarily, that sounds like a hit. And I think there are definitely people here who will appreciate. People like my mum really is really into Nintendo products. She wants to get the Switch. Her birthday's in April, so that's probably what I'll get her. Mm. Um, and yeah, people. I think people like the in, the ingenious nature of it that you can just create stuff. Mm. And I think one of the one of the things that you see phones doing and VR doing is trying to bring the gaming world into our world. That's why I think augmented reality has taken a much more faster growth than VR has. Because VR is very insular. It still keeps you in the virtual world, whereas AR puts it out there. And you'll see, because you've got a Pixel phone, you've now got the AR uh, stickers that they have in the Pixel, which is super fun. You can literally create like Star, Wing, Star, Star Wars X-Wings in your house. Awesome. And I think people love bringing the gaming world and the movie world into this world because that's for me it feels futuristic and i know it's cardboard but it's still something that's bringing the gaming world into our reality yeah i think more things that can do that people are definitely gonna buy into it it feels like they've kind of flipped it on its head they've kind of gone well ar what works through your device and then your device shows you the ar world by wearing it or looking through it but they were like how about we flip it around and your you, what you physically move around controls what happens on the screen and yeah other th- we've had other things in the past like light guns yeah. and stuff like that cool and to, actually to be fair they've always been pretty fun but they've managed to really like change it the fact that you can in one of the clips we've got the video up at howtokillanhour.com we'll put that link we'll put a link to it in the show description you see somebody look at like dressed like a transformer at a, a halloween sort of fancy dress party yeah. but they're punching and as they punch their character on the screen punches yeah. through a brick wall or something and is flying around i think that is so entertaining i love that and it like you said it takes the insular thing out of it because everyone in the room can see what you're doing on the yeah. screen you can take it off give it to someone else have a go with them yeah and I, I think it's creative, creative for kids as well also nintendo you know they know that they've got technologically inferior product Yeah, when you're looking at the Switch versus the PSP Vita or versus the PS4 or Xbox you know they know that they're dealing with something that's competing with you know the fastest graphics engines and you know the highest resolution screens so they're well how else are they going to differentiate themselves mm. they're not going to just do a Me Too product and be another Sony or, yeah. or Microsoft they have to be Nintendo and I think one of the things I've always appreciated about them as a, as a company as a brand They've always tried to be Nintendo. And the couple of times where they stepped out and tried to compete, they fell flat on their faces. Yeah. And I think they've learned those lessons in the past 
They thought, let's just keep it Nintendo. Let's make cardboard box modifications for computer games. That's very Nintendo. Yeah. And I think anyone who complains about it or says it's stupid doesn't get them as a brand. I think when we get them in the studio, we'll let you, we'll invite you down to have a go. You can make that massive trek over from your place (laughs) (laughs) over here and and try it out, man. Uh, Before we let you go anywhere, please share with our listener how they can see what you do online and where they can find out what you're doing. Um, So I'm obviously one half of Gadgets Boy, so gadgetsboy.co.uk. But um, if you want to hassle me or uh, pick my brains about camera equipment or criticise my images, feel free. Uh, You can find me on Instagram. It's gadgetsjohn, that's J-O-N, gadgets, J-O-N, at Instagram. And that's probably the easy way to find me. Wicked, wicked, man. And uh, yeah, I look forward to it. I think we should do a little MWC special. It'll yeah. be, be rude not to, really. Let's do it. Seeing as we're in the same city. But yeah, thanks for sticking around. I've been Marcus Bronzy. This has been How to Kill an Hour. You can find out all about what we're doing at How to Kill an Hour everywhere. Uh, stay blessed. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.